Welcome to another episode of the Revived and Renewed Podcast, where we share testimonies of how Jesus changed our lives. I am your host, Ashley Omari. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Revived and Renewed Podcast. I just want to say welcome to any first-time listeners today, and thank you so much for joining us. Today's guest is Miss Janet Cruz. Thank you so much for joining us today, Janet. Right. Well, I'm just so excited to be here. I'm, I'm thrilled. And at, at my age, you need to be thrilled. Okay. <laughs> at, at, all, at 68, going to be 69. Um, but thank you so much for inviting me to come. I just thank the Holy Spirit for what he's going to speak and who he's going to minister to. And I just want to start out by sharing. I got saved at 27. Now I'm going to be 69. So that was a few years back. Um, I was I would be dead today if it hadn't been for Jesus saving me. Uh, I came from a, an alcoholic family and we all drank heavily. We didn't think that it was, if you didn't drink, you weren't functioning. Okay. It was kind of like, we thought you were dysfunctional, but um, I had a, we, my husband and I were in a very serious car accident. And I remember crying out when I saw this vehicle that was getting ready to hit us. I said, Oh God. And at the time, I was not saved, didn't know anything about the Lord, but we, I had a praying mother-in-law. Mm. And, you know, the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. I'm yeah. sure when, when my husband met me, she was thinking, oh, Lord, I'm going to be on my knees forever. <laughs> and she was, I'm sure. But I believe that even in that, at that time when I called out, oh, God, even not knowing God, he had mercy and he spared our lives. But it was that point that I thought this reality of I'm here and I could have been gone just like that. Here one moment, gone. And so I started just saying, okay, I need to go to church. I, I've got to find a church. I mean, I don't have enough. I don't know anything about the Bible. I don't know anything about anything and I have a six-year-old child that somebody needs to teach him some things about God because I don't even know what to do, okay? And so I did. I went to a church, and um, I was sitting on the back row of this church, and I'm going to try not to cry while I'm telling this, but I sat on the back row, and, and I just, the pastor, he just said, bow your head for a word of prayer, and I just began to weep uncontrollably, not even realizing that the Holy Spirit was already beginning to deal in my life. I didn't even know it, you know, and I'm sure that because of my mother-in-law's prayers fervently for us, that it was beginning to, to tear down all the stuff, the hardness, the abruptness, because I used to be very abrupt when I was younger and that that, that was being broken through. And so um, I went home and I said to my husband, I said, you've got to come to church with me. You must come to church, you know? And so I convinced him to go. And, and this was not one of those churches, the hallelujah, praise you, Jesus kind of churches. And we left that church. I said, well, so what'd you think? And his words were, I can get more out of God sitting, you know, on a tree stump. So, you know, I'm like, okay, that's not, I'm like, really? So I didn't go back to church. We moved to the Rio Grande Valley and I started playing racquetball. I, I've always been very active all my life. And, and, um, a lady walked up to me and, um, we just started conversing because I, I, I love people, right? I love to be with people. And so somehow the conversation came around. She had a little, a little, um, Christian, uh, necklace on, you know, the one that you see the little, yeah, well, it wasn't a cross. It was one of those little fish. And I just uh -huh. said, Oh, what's your sign? <laughs> does, does that tell you where I was? She goes, Oh no, this is not a sign. You know, I'm thinking, okay, you Arius or you Leo or you, you know, cause that's where, what I, I mean, let's be honest. Let's just be real right now. Okay. Let's be real because that's, I didn't know anything about anything. You tell me there's a New Testament and Old Testament. I didn't know the difference between it. You know, I, I just didn't know anything about it. And she just was so kind. And anyway, she invited us to church. And um, I thought, oh, my God. Now, this was this was a church, and it was a Baptist church. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, I'm going down the list. Now, this is how unbelievers think. I'm just giving you from an unbeliever's point of view, Okay can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't cuss, you can't dance. I'm going through, you can't go to move. This is my thinking back when I was 27, right? 
But something compelled me. And I told Neville and he said, and my husband, is his name is Neville. He's with the Lord now. But, uh, you know, he said, have you ever been to a Baptist church? And I said, no. He said, well, they're either going to, you're either going to love it or you're not going to love it, you know? And we, and, and we went, I fell in love with this church and oh my God. And they lifted their hands and I'm going, what are they doing? You know, but the pastor said, he said, if you don't, if you are not born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And that just hit me. I mean, like what, you know what? And convicted me so much. That one thing that he said, I don't even remember what the sermon was about. It was God just tuned me in on, if you are not born again, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And I'm sitting there going, there's no other way in. I mean, that's it. You got to be born again. And so I didn't receive Christ that day, but the pastor called and invited us to come to a Wednesday night service. And I, we did, we went and it was amazing. It, it was a service where people got, got up and gave testimonies and all. And, and we went down into the, they had a basement area. We went down and two people talked to us about receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And I was like, so ready, so ready and accepted Christ. And, you know, you know how some people that are alcoholics and or addicted or whatever, you know, they have to, some people have to go through, you know, have to be put a into program or something. a 12 step or whatever. It wasn't that way for me. It wasn't that way for me. When Jesus came into my life, it was like a total transformation. I mean, it was like the, the alcohol. When I got home, I told my, my son and my husband, throw all that out. Nobody had to tell me. I said, just gather it up and throw it out. It's gone. It's out of here. And don't, don't give it to anybody. Break the bottles in the dumpster and just throw it away. And the cussing left. My husband, people would always tell me, you know, I've heard a lot of men that could cuss, but you you took the case, Janet. You could, you could outcuss any man. You could outdrink any man. And I thought that was a very, I mean, I thought that was like, oh, what an honor to be able to do that. How perverted the thinking is. It was so perverted. But after I got saved, you know, I, I was so radically saved that God's fire came on my life. And he gave me a scripture and it was out of Jeremiah. I believe it's 20 verse nine. His word was in my heart like a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. That has been my scripture all of my life. And it has rang so true for everything in my life. You know, it's like his fire has, has, has purified. It has cleansed. It has ignited me. It has, it has done everything that I have needed all the days of my life to keep me in him, you know, never, ever thinking I'm going to go back to the world. There's nothing in the world that will ever satisfy like Jesus Christ. Nothing, no one, nothing, no alcohol, no drug, no, no person, nothing that can ever satisfy like Jesus Christ. And so from that point, that was in 1981, August the 9th, 1981. (laughs) So that tells you how long I've been a Christian. But I, be, I got, so, I became so hungry and thirsty for the word of God. I mean, I ate it like, not, like it was, it was just absolute nourishment to me and I grew so quickly. And then God baptized me in the Holy spirit and gave me that beautiful prayer language. And then from there, you know, he just began to open doors and, and, and just use me, you know, he just used my life. And continues to use my life because I've given him my life. It ha- it's never been about what Janet wants to do. It's God, what do you want to do through Janet? How can I reach those that don't know you? And so as I've walked this walk for so many years, it has been challenging. It has been highs and it has been lows because, you know, yes, you know, when someone says to you, oh, when you become a Christian, life is great. It's wonderful. No, the devil hates you. <laughs> if you if you are handpicked by God, the devil hates us. And I always, exactly. I always think to myself, you know, so many people come up to me and go, well, has God shown you 
what I'm supposed to do with my life. I, I, I've always said, God, what do I do? And the first thing I say to them is, everyone is called to prayer. That is the highest call of any believer is to pray. Because the effective, the effective fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. And so it changes everything. That's sign language. It changes everything. Well, from that point, you know, back when I was a child, I, um, I took dance. I started taking dance as an eight-year-old. And um, I couldn't keep my mouth shut in school. So every six <laughs> weeks, I would be grounded from dance. My dad would say, you're grounded. You came home with a D in conduct, so you're grounded. And I can remember thinking, oh. And so for six weeks, I'd shut my mouth in class, and I'd be good. And then, you know, it, it was a cycle, all right? But that's really and truly where I, God's gifting began. You know, because the Bible says that the that the gifts of God are without reproach, whether we use them or whether we don't use them for God's glory, they are there. And exactly. so there may be some right now that are going to be watching this and they have gifts and they're stagnant. They're not using them. We're going to be accountable for that. God's That's going to true. say, I gave you this gift and you did not use it for me. I'll, I'll never forget many years ago, and I'll get back to the dance in just a moment, but many years ago, um, it, it was prophesied over me. A prophet spoke over my life and he said to me, he said, I have called you as a female to do what I've called many men to do, but they refuse to pick up the calling. And I thought to myself, oh God, how sad father. And God said to me, he said, but I knew that you would. And so the mantle of these men that would not pick up that calling came upon my life. And I began to say, yes, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And wow. I'll tell you, when you do that, there's resistance, you know, sometimes gut-wrenching resistance. Yes. But there's a cost <laughs> we have to pay for the glory. There's a cost we have to pay for the anointing. It doesn't come free. It's not cheap. The, the cost of the glory to carry the glory and the cost to carry his anointing is not free. And so we have to decide what do we want? Do we want to stand before him one day and he says and decrees over us, well done, good and faithful servant? Or do we want to stand before him and receive the crown of salvation and nothing with it? But we made it to heaven. I'm not like that. I got to have them all. I got to have it all. <laughs> I got to have I got to have all the rewards. I want to be in a long line, you know. I, that's just who I am. But it's not for self-gratification. It's for the glory of God. Yeah. And so with that training that I had as a child in dance, and then I taught dance as well. So with that training, um, the church that I was going to at the time had a dance team. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this dance team. And I was asked to be on this dance team. And I said, yes, of course, I would love to. Well, this particular dance team um, nobody on the dance team actually knew anything about the basics of dance mm. except me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's, we could do this like this. And God said, I didn't call you to tweak this dance team. I called you to submit to the leaders of this dance team mm. because I'm going to teach you something. Because you see, here's the thing. Many people want to be seen or heard. But there's a process to being seen in the Lord and being heard by God. And so we don't want to just, we don't want to bring somebody into our, you know, into dance or bring somebody into ministering that has that motive. Because you have to sit under first before you can ever stand over anyone. And most people don't like to sit under and they don't like to serve somebody else. They want to stand over before they've sat under. But that's not the way God does things, no. you know, so we have to learn to to submit to authority. But that's godly authority, not not manipulation or control or anything like that. But I'll, I'll never forget. I was sitting at the church and, and, I, and I said to the Lord I, and he said to me, I didn't say to him. I was just sitting there and I was looking at the apostle of, our, of the church. And then the Lord said, one day. I will have those serve you because you have served someone else. And I went, oh, yay, 
when is that day, Lord? <laughs> I'm like, and, and, but it was so encouraging because the Bible says, you know, if you give, it will be given back to you, right? Press down, shaken together, running over, good measure. You will receive what you have given. And so that goes to in every aspect of our walk with God. And so as I poured in and helped uh, fulfill the visions of other men and women in their ministry, then God raised up people to come in and help fulfill the ministry, my ministry. And so for years, I, I was on this dance team and uh, loved it. And then the, t- the dance team dissolved. It was time for it to dissolve. And um, so another woman and I, we would many times just take our flags and go up front and worship with our flags, you know, at the front when we just felt led to do that. And one day after church, uh, the worship leader came and spoke to the two of us and said, I just want you two to know, I don't ever want you doing that again. If you're going to go up front, I want you to speak to the congregation when you minister and dance. I don't want you to just wave flags. I want you to speak because when you speak, they can connect with what you're saying and it will take them up with you. And I was like, that is so, I I said to myself within me, I didn't say this out loud. I said, okay, well, my dance ministry days are over because I don't know how to do any of that. (laughs) And the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He said, no, this is where you're going to be stretched. You're going to learn how to do expressive sign language and you're going to speak when you dance. So God used this man of God to come into my life to at first make me feel like my dancing to the Lord and ministering unto him was over. And instead it propelled me into the next level of where God wanted to take me. And so how, do, how many of us know that, you know, I don't focus on my weaknesses. I know what they are like right here today, if it hadn't been for my precious daughter-in-law to set up the camera and get all, okay, I know all of that, but I don't have to worry about it because God said to me, he said, focus on your strengths, the strengths that I have given you. That's where you need to keep your focus because that is what will propel you forward. He said, don't focus on your weaknesses. I will always bring someone to you who will be able to do what you can't do. Amen. And I thought, well, praise God. And so As I was preparing to be stretched by the Lord and learn how to do expressive sign language, okay, God had a professional sign language young woman that came to me and said, if you ever need to learn sign language, I'd be glad to help you. I'm like, oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. And so that's how that began. And so what he did was he brought her in and uh, I began to learn specific sign languages, you know, sign language and, and in sign language, it's done in, in, in a, in a certain area, you, you know, with, with signing, you, you sign kind of close to your body in expressive sign language. Like this is the sign for, for Lord. It's the L, you know, Lord. Well, it's not the L, but that it's Lord like this in expressive sign language. Everything is large. You bring it up as, as in dance. Okay. And so I took that, and if there wasn't a particular sign language that spoke what I was trying to say in in dance, God would give me the way to do that. So I see a lot of dancers nowadays, and I see them um, dancing, but they're dancing without speaking. And that's where you get into the difference in dance and prophetic dance. Because there is right. a big difference. And so God has called all, all of us, any of us, to wave a flag if we want to pick up a flag and wave a flag. Okay? That's worshiping with a flag. All right? But if we're going to prophetically speak, which is going to, which is going to penetrate into the heavenlies at a higher place with the worship team, it's the call and the anointing of a prophetic dancer. And so there's a difference in the prophetic dancer that is called and appointed for that because there's an appointing that comes with that. Then, you know, a, a, uh, a dancer that's going to pick up a flag or, or pick up something else. And so that's what God began to teach me. I had a dance team for about seven or eight years, and then we moved out of that area. And so that was, you know, disband, um, And I just started ministering myself and with my daughter as well. Um, And of course, Hannah has also 
been a part of this, big part of this. And now she does all my videos for me and <laughs> all the stuff that I couldn't do, even if I wanted to. Um, she's very creative. And, and so God has really brought her and I together in such a profound way uh, to help me uh, with the videos and all of that. So I just get up and let the Holy Ghost just fall, you know, and then she'll put her stuff together. And I just worship. And and what it is, is it's an audience of one. I don't care if there's 1,500 people out there. I'm not connecting with them. When I'm dancing prophetically, I am hearing and seeing at the same time. And I think that's what most dancers that are, that are, that want to dance prophetically, they have to understand. I didn't come into this overnight. God trained me to transition into that place. See, and um, the, many, many dancers don't realize that it's very important how we present as we're dancing. That presentation is very important because dance, the foundation of all dance is ballet. I don't care what it is. I don't care what kind of dance you're doing, whether it's hip hop or what, whatever. You know, you think about, is it, is it, is it, uh, so you think you can dance or, or dance? Yeah. So you think you can dance, you know, if you ever watch that. They always bring the hip hoppers, those that are doing these. Where do they take them? Let's see if you can go to the ballet section and let's see if, if you can do, because that's what they're looking for, you know? And so that's really foundational ballet because technique is very important in dance. And God spoke to me and he said, when you dance, you must attract my presence not detract from my presence or not distract. And I see a lot, uh, and this is not being critical. This is just trying to help. Okay. I see a right. lot of, I see a lot of, um, of dancers that, uh, they have no formal, uh, training of any kind. Um, and yet I look at them and I go, Oh, they can do this. They can do this. They just need a little bit you know, to help them with their turns or their technique, their hands. I mean, you don't realize just your hand movements. If your hands are, you know, it, it, it distracts, you know, uh, nice. the attire. It does. It does. And so just learning a few things. And so when God transitioned me from that dance team into my own dance team, it was to train them. Here's the bottom line. Prayer on our faces before God is where we must be before we ever get up with a flag in our hand. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. Am I there? Okay. This must needed to be said with my dance team. The first thing that we did was I made sure that my dancers were in shape. I think it's very important that we stay in shape because we're representing the temple of the Holy spirit. Right. And you know, that was one of the things that was, that's very important to me is that we have a team that represents in every area and in, in our physical, you know, stat, how we look physically, not that, that, um, and, and I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean that in a bad way because here's the thing I, I created and, and structured my team so that if I had girls that were maybe 20, 30 pounds overweight or whatever, they wouldn't hurt themselves because there's different levels. And I, number one, it's a risk because some of the girls could really, I mean, they want to jump, they want to leap in certain areas. They want to do d different things, but yet they may, may, maybe didn't carry the glory. It had nothing to do with, here's the thing. It had nothing to do with who's more anointed than the other. It, ha it has everything to do with what you can physically do what right. your body, what the limitations are on your physical, your physical body. And so that's something that I always was very careful of because, and, and age too, right? you know, it, age is very important. And I always wanted to have a team that would be like a team one, a team two, a team three, but that they weren't broken up like anointed team, you know, less anointed, really knowing, you know, it wasn't like that. It was ability. Okay to where these girls had a higher ability, younger ones, they wanted to do more, you know, and then we had this group that did a little bit less. And then we had the older women, you know, that they, they want to continue to worship God, but I don't want them hurt. Exactly. Which I don't want them hurt. 
That's wisdom. You have yes. to use wisdom. Yes, and you have to use wisdom. But in that, I would always say, come on, we've got to keep we've got to be the example. We need to we need to keep our bodies the temple of the Holy Spirit. So let's try to stay active and let's try to stay fit. And that was always what we did. So at the beginning of our practices, we would run around the church, laps, laps, laps. And I would always encourage them, eat good and drink good water. And they did. And um, then we would get on our faces. And we would be on our faces before the Holy Spirit. And we would just lay there together. And we would worship. And we would pray in the Spirit. And we would worship. And we would not get up until God released us to get up to practice. The main thing that I always made sure of is that none of the girls or the women had any unforgiveness because we couldn't even practice together because that was a barrier. And so keeping our hearts right and our motives right was very, very important. So then here we go, God, here's the team, you know, and oh my goodness, we saw, we saw people just so blessed. There were, there were, there were people that would come up to us and say, we saw angels behind you coming down from heaven, coming in when we would, when we would dance, you know, the glory would be so strong. And I believe it was a way that God had me put this team together. You know, the first thing was we're going to worship. That's what it's all Amen. about. We're not going to get up here and just, you know, and just start waving flags and do it. No, we're going to worship. We are going to be the worshipers that God has called us to be because you can't enter into that, that realm of worship and bring the congregation in until you've experienced it yourself. Exactly. Exactly. My former yeah. uh, pastor, when I was living in Massachusetts, he would say, you can't take people where you've never been. It's so true. You can't, it's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. And so, um, so that, that team, uh, we traveled all over together and ushered God's glory in. And so um, then God was, that was like, okay, that's that season. And then um, I moved into the Fort Worth area. And then God really began to use me to, uh, to train and to teach uh, other teams that wanted to learn how do we carry this? How do we, how do we um, express ourselves? and look graceful, you know, while we're doing it? How do we express ourselves in worship and have the technique and the way to use the flags and turn and, and lunge and jump, you know, to, to, do, to do it with great technique? And yet the number one thing, our, the, our number one focus was worship, ushering in mm -hmm. the glory of God. And so that, that combination was such a blessing. So that's, that's what I do. And prophesying, you know, we just praise God, you know, God called me as a prophet to the nations. And so, um, that was many years ago. And so I've, I've had to walk through that as well. And there's a lot of resistance with that, you know, but we have to do what God's called us to do. You know, I, I have to tell you that I, I died to what people thought about me years ago or think about me. Very important. And, <laughs> it was a process. It's really a process, you know, and you just get to a point where you say, I really don't care what you think. All I care about is what does God think? And you, and it's really a self, it's dying to self in so many areas because let's face it. So many people have so many insecurities. And they're true. So, they, they, yeah. And so, you know, they want approval. They want acceptance. They want, and all of that has to be crucified. All of that has to, has to die, you know, and, um, I'll, I'll share with you. And, and the Lord said to me the other day, because he said to me, he said, I'm recalibrating everything in your life. And he said, and I'm recalibrating everything in the church's life. And he said to me, he said, we're going to call it painful recalibration. I'm like, it is painful. God, there's some, there is some pain to this. Because what I thought was right, right now, it doesn't seem right, you know, and, and yet there's the ups and downs in life. There's, oh, it's right. a wonderful life. And then, oh, this is a horrible time right now. Oh, this is a wonderful life. This is the way we walk. I lost my husband 
a year and a half ago. And um, of course, that was excruciating. That was very painful. And I'm still walking through that in my life. You know, I'm not going to say it's over. I would be lying to say that. But one of the things that I will say about that is there are so many men and women who don't walk through the process of grief. They get stuck in grief. Now, I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I know the Holy Spirit wants me to share this. And, and because there is what we call a spirit of grief. And it tried to come on me numerous times after my husband died. And, you, and I had to take authority over it. And I said, uh-uh. God left me here for a purpose. There's still purpose Amen. in my life. And not that there wasn't purpose for the two of us, of course. But, you know, sometimes we, we get so, um, uh, our life, we, you know, we have a life with a spouse. And yet we, we also have to understand that we have a life together as a, with our spouses in ministry. But we also have an individual calling. And we have to recognize that when our one of our spouses goes home, it's not over for us no. just because they went home. And this is where I see a lot of widows and widowers, they get stuck in grief 10, 20 years, and they're still grieving over the loss of their spouse. And I'm thinking, what are you doing for the kingdom? Well, I just can't. Yeah, you can. We're going to take authority over that spirit of grief in Jesus' mighty name. So I have seen them literally be delivered from a spirit of grief, just loosing them from that. And they are like out of that and they can move forward. But recognizing it and wanting to be free of it, you know, because it'll affect every area of your life. That's and true. it'll take you to an early grave if you, if you let it. If you let grief overtake you like that for years and years and years, literally the enemies, he would love to take us home early, right? And so I pray that that ministers, but the recalibration, I want to go back to that real, real briefly, the recalibration. When God spoke about the recalibration to me, he showed me, he said, look at recalibration. What does that actually look like? And I said, well, you have to recalibrate musical instruments sometimes because they get out of, you know, they get out of, of the tuning. Right. And when they do, they sound horrible. And he goes, yes, that's right. And that's what I'm doing right now in my people, many of them. And for some of them, it's going to feel very painful. For others, it'll be an easy process to recalibrate. But I'm the master tuner in this process. But we have to say, go ahead, God, recalibrate me. Mm -hmm. And there have been times when I've been on my face, sobbing my eyeballs out during this recalibration. It does all yeah, you know how we do. I have and, been there. <laughs> yeah, you know, and we think it's the devil and God's going, no, I'm letting this happen because, you you know, your life needs to be, this, this needs to change. And so we're going to recalibrate this area of your life. And so I just encourage the people of God that hear this, the, that ask God, recalibrate my life, recalibrate, retune it, do whatever you need to do. Another thing that I've been really speaking and asking the Lord for is the body of Christ is so sick. We're so ill. There's so many that are dying prematurely. And I've just been, and I know a lot of it is because of our dietary and inactivity and stress and all of that. I, I get that. And we're calling it the devil. And God's going, I've been sending you memo after memo after memo. And you keep deleting and deleting and deleting. And I'm saying to you, look at the memo. Open the email. This is about your life and your longevity. Open it up. Read it. And let me begin to recalibrate those areas of your life. <clears throat> because many times there's a root issue and we don't look at the root issue. We want to, we want to run to the doctor. We want to do that. And we've all done it. I understand. Thank God for doctors and thank God for nurses when we need that. <clears throat> but God always wants to go to the root of what's causing certain things. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, <clears throat> he said, many addictions Many addictions are caused from traumas in people's lives. It opened a door. And I was like, whoa, that's, I've never thought of that, Lord. And he said, it's been lodged in their subconscious. They don't even know many of them that it's still there. They overeat because of the trauma that took place 20 years ago. They do alcohol because of the trauma, because they don't want to feel the pain. They don't want to, you know, food is a comfort. Let's face it. Okay, it is. And so 
what God is saying to us it, it, at this time is part of the recalibration is, is going to be a deliverance. There's going to be a lot of deliverance. And I just want to say to the, to the five-fold ministry, because I'm one, so I can speak to the five-fold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, and the pastor. I can speak because I am one. We need to bring deliverance back into the church. We need to bring deliverance back into the church. We don't need a little dabble, do you? We need to see people set free in Jesus' name. We need people to understand that there is a powerful God that we serve. And whatever they have need of, here it is. You know, we need to quit. We need to quit with, you know, a, 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 you know three, three songs in a little sermon. And, the, you know, thinking that, and then, God bless you. God be with you. No, we need the Holy Ghost to invade our churches. That's what we need. We need a complete overhaul in Jesus' name. We need God to bring his fire down. We need God to bring his anointing down. We need God to bring, I mean, let, let God's anointing collide with his glory and watch out. Nothing is going to stop him when that happens. But we've got to have men and women, fivefold ministers. The Bible says I've given apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, and pastor for what? To teach, to train for the work of the ministry, for the saints, to equip them for the work of the ministry. And how can they be equipped? How can they be trained? How can they do what God's called them to do when when they're so bombarded with demonic stuff? You know, when, when they when they have traumas from their childhood, when they when they need deliverance, when they need healing, you know, and, and there are some people that would say, well, I don't believe, you know, a, a, a child of God can be demon possessed. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you can be you can be affected by it. Oppressed. Right? By it, you can yes. be oppressed by it. You can be harassed by it. You can be vexed by it. You can be, you know, it can take over. That doesn't mean you're possessed by it, but it means there's something there, whether a generational curse or whatever it is that invaded your life at some point and literally paralyzed you from doing what God's called you to do. So that thing needs to be removed from you Amen. and taken off of you so that you can move forward in the direction that God has called you to. So the churches have got to, and I, I speak and I say, God, bring the fivefold ministry into a place of his, his word was in my heart like a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. We don't care if they're going to be upset with us if we say something. We don't care if they're offended because of what we're going to say. It's going to save their souls. We don't care anymore. We're not trying to make them feel good. We're trying to get them to heaven. We're trying to get them to move in their anointing. We're trying to get their eyes open. That's what we want in the church. We want the glory to hit because when the glory of God hits, everything else pales to it. Nothing else matters. Nothing Nothing else matters. And so I've been saying, Father, God, bring your fivefold ministers to their knees where we've just, you know, soothed the people where we've just patted them on the back. Not that we don't need to do that. Not that we don't need to embrace them and love them, you know, but it's not about our ministry. It's not about our kingdom. It's mm-hmm. about his kingdom. Amen. It's about what he wants to do through his people. And so, you know, I just encourage the fivefold ministers, you know, lay prostrate before the Lord, get his heart and let God, if God says, don't preach, don't preach that Sunday. If God says, uh-uh, let the Holy Spirit move. Uh, let me have the reins in this service. Then trust God to do that. Let's don't be afraid of what God's going to do. Let him move and have his liberty. And then he may say the next Sunday, this is what I want you to preach on. <laughs> Glory, like go that. for it. Go for it, you know. But let's, don't put, let's, let's take him out of the box and let him have his way. Because we are going to enter into a time where the harvest people are going to, they're going to leave dead churches and they're going to find churches where the spirit of God can speak and decree and set free. And so I just want to encourage pastors to say, Father, forgive me because I've controlled Sunday after Sunday what you want to do and say, and I don't want that. I want you now to come in. And just have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way, Holy Spirit. You do and say anything you want to in this place, in Jesus' name. He also told me, he said, not only am I recalibrating my people, 
are going to recalibrate my people. He said, I, I was driving to church one day and I just want to go ahead and, sh- and say this. If you're not in a church, you need to be in a church. You need to get into the church. It's important because we need, the Bible says, those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they flourish in the courts of our gods. And so we need, iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. So we need the fellowship. We need the brethren. We need the preaching. We need God to speak. You know, we cannot do this walk on our own. And so... I just want to say that because I know the Holy Spirit wanted me to say that. We need that, but we need to find the church God's calling us to. And I'm going to say another thing. If God calls you out of a church, you better leave it right. I don't know how these pastors, with these people that just get up with their little potted plant and they take it and they move to another place. They never say goodbye. They've been in the church for, you know, 10 years and they go, oh, I'm offended. I don't get that. You know, God, it would be like a, it would be like me, somebody in my family walking out of my life and never saying goodbye to me. And yet I've mentored you and trained you all these years. How hurtful. There's a way to leave with a blessing because when you do that and you go to the pastors and you say, I really feel like I need to, God is saying it for us to, to move to a different place. And that pastor blesses you. You leave with God's blessing into Amen. the next place. It's so important to do that. And so I just threw that in there for just because. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's important that we do that, you know. But one of the other things that the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, he said, look at the landscape. And I said, it, yeah, it's beautiful, God. And he said, what did it look like a few days ago? I said, oh, it was horrible. It was dry. It was dead. It was brown. And he said, but look how it has changed in just a few days. He said, the landscape in the church is about to change. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, he said, yeah, he said, I said it was the landscape because we were under such a drought and the see, here's the thing. The church has been in such a drought. We've been in such a state of drought. And, and the reason is because the Holy Ghost hadn't been invited. So yeah, you're going to have drought. You're going to have just a man getting up and doing his thing, which is dry. But when you let his presence, the glory come in, there is no drought. And so he told me, he said, get ready. The landscape of the church is getting ready to change. Glory to God, because I'm going to pour out the rain. I'm going to give it what it needs. And there's going to be some that are going to be taken out of that position. There's going to be the others that are going to come up into that position and be planted there instead, because there's going to be some that will not repent and obey what God's called them to do. Now, so that could be a harsh word to some or it could be a life-giving word to some that hear this. And I pray it's a life-giving word to, to those who hear this, that they go, oh, Holy Spirit, I feel that. I know that's for me. Amen. Amen. So glory to God. The Bible says um, those who have wisdom, a, a wise man will go after wisdom and will re- receive instruction, but the foolish will despise it. And that so, is so true. Whatever you just said is also a confirmation to a word the Lord gave me the other day. He showed me two plants and he said, don't look at what is happening now between the two plants because they're getting ready for what is supposed to come in the future. And I'm like, okay, thank you. And then he also said, we're supposed to get ready for that revival. So he was saying, repent of the things that are enemies to me, put away your idols, put away the things that are not of me and come into my presence and get ready for whatever you're asking me for. The the prayers that you're praying, they're going to be answered. The revival of souls are coming. And that's what he told me on the 26th of uh, um, October. So whatever you're saying is a confirmation of what he said to me. Praise God. And you know, years ago, that's so good. Years ago, the Lord said to me, he said, He said, I'm going to bring a generational convergence and we're seeing it now. And I said, well, what do you mean? And the Lord said, he said, this generational convergence is going to be the young people that have all this energy and, and, you know, and, and, and the mature people that have the word deep within them. I'm not talking about religious people. I'm talking about those that are, that have taken off the old wineskin and and allowed the new to come, um, which just doesn't change the word of God. That'll never change. But Anyway, God said to me, he said, I'm going to converge the young ones with the mature ones because the mature will bring wisdom to them and help get them solidified and grounded. But yet the fire 
and the energy that the young ones will have will, will help bring in the generations that need to come in. And I thought, praise God, I want to live to see that, Father. And it's <laughs> happening. It's happening. You know, I, I love the, the, the energy and the strength of the young. You know, but there is a move of holiness coming back to the church. There is a move of no compromise. There is a move. There, there's not going to be a mixture of of the profane with the holy. There's not. It cannot happen. God's glory will never hit that. So it has to be our lives have got to truly come to the Lord and be consecrated before Him and allow Him to 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 wring out all the impurities, to burn out everything that needs to be burned out, so that He can literally pour into us, you know, are we ever going to be perfect? Of course not. But our heart goes after him and his holiness, you know, that we, and that's another thing. The reverent fear of God is going to come back to the church. The churches, there's been many, there's been much imbalance in the church on a whole. Back in my day, in my younger days, when I was like your age, okay, and got saved, it was, um, Oh my God, it was the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It was the fire of God. It was the holiness of God. And, but then came the judgment and it began to turn people off. You know, it's like that holy, holiness movement became, be, began to become a judgment kind of a thing. So it became religious and it would turn right. people off. And then we went into this grace movement. Doesn't matter what you do. God's grace is sufficient. You know, he took it all. You don't need to repent for your sins. He took it once and for, and I'm going, oh, that is. And the Lord said to me, he said, as a retired nurse, but as a nurse, he said to me, he said, when you amputate one toe, one toe from a person's body, what happens? And I said, well, their balance is off. And he said, that's what's happened in my, in my church. There's been an amputation spiritually. And so there's an imbalance in my church. He said, so what happens when you amputate below the knee or above the knee? I said, well, you have to have a prosthesis to even walk. And he said, and when you do, see, that's an artificial, see, that's artificial. And so you try to prop up someone with an artificial limb. And he said, so that's what's happening in a lot of of the churches is instead of bringing in his word the totality of his word that brings absolute balance. We have a prosthesis. We have a prosthetic thing. It's, it's called flesh that tries trying to prop up, you know, the church and do it their way instead of it being whole. And so God said to me, but I'm going to bring back a balance. Amen. I'm going to bring back the fear of the Lord and the love of God, heaven, hell, judgment, mercy. That's the balance of God. It's not one or the other. It's both. It's both. And so that is what God's going to bring back to the church. Praise God. And so um, as that unfolds, that's part of the recalibration. Because see, we've been a sound that has not sounded correctly. We've been off tune. We. It's just been... Not good. And so that balance is going to be brought back so that the church can walk whole in her purpose in Christ. Amen. Praise God. I can't wait to see such a move. I can't wait. I know it's already started. It's already started. It is. But I want to see it in its full, you know, move. Yes. Well, the church has got to come back to repentance. That's not, yes. that's not old wineskin. That is, mm-hmm. that is it. We've got to get back. Here's the thing. We, ter- we took prayer out of the church many years ago and we replaced it with entertainment. Just like the dance ministry. It's not about entertainment. It's about ushering in God's glory when I minister in dance. Thank it you should so much always be this. Yes, it's not about <laughs> entertaining. It's not about getting up and just, you know, having an anointed song and and waving flags and doing all this and not speaking with it. You know, here's the thing. A dancer can get up and dance and use flags. And what will carry her if she doesn't understand the prophetic aspect of it and speaking is the song that's anointed will carry it. But that dancer hasn't spoken. So when you when when the, the when the prophetic speaking part of that collides with the anointing of the song, it opens the heavenlies. Amen. And that's the same with a, with a man or woman of God that gets up to release the word of God. When, when 
what he says or what she says is so anointed collides with God's anointing and glory, the whole place is, is changed because the Spirit of God just falls. The heavens open. Amen. And that's what we want. That's, that's what, we, what seek. we want. That's what we desire. But, you know, getting back to something that I've been, I've been asking the Lord recently, and I've been saying, Father, your church, your people are so sick. There's so many dying prematurely, Father. I said, Lord, pour out the anointing of healing over your people. Let a massive healing anointing begin to hit the people of God. You know, and just trans, just trans, transition everything in their life. You know, transform everything in their lives to where they can only give you the glory and only mm-hmm. give you the honor. You know, yes, again, praise God for the doctors and all of that. But you know what? I want to see a move of God's presence where signs and wonders and miracles are just happening and nobody can take credit for it. No man, no woman, only God that we stand up and we are shouting and screaming because he did it. He did it. He healed me. He healed my child. He healed that one in front. You know, it's just God, not just God. It's God that does it. I, you know. Yes, it's wonderful that God moves like that in foreign countries because they don't have the money. You know, I remember ministering many times in Mexico, in deep Mexico. Those people are so precious. Oh, my God. The Mexican people, when they know an American is coming over there to preach the word of God, they will walk for miles and miles and miles to come. Yes. And it doesn't matter if it's raining, if it's sleety, if it's snow, it doesn't matter. And the reason I say that is because we were freezing and they were, and, and people would come from miles that had walked for miles and they were wrapped up, just wrapped in, in, in blankets and whatever they had. And Jeez. God's glory would come and meet them because of their sacrifice. Lord, may, may we in America, may we have such an experience or such a desire or such a need for you like that. To see you move in that way in Jesus' name. And these people Mm -hmm. would get filled with the Holy Spirit. The fire would come. The glory would come. They would get healed. I mean, oh my gosh. It was amazing. They would get delivered and set free for the glory of God. But they, they, the fear of God, they sacrificed to come. You know, if, if it's, you know, 60 degrees outside, we don't want, it's too cold. We don't want to go to church today. That's true. You know, I mean, I I don't want to go there. God, I'm not going there. (laughs) But that's what we're hungering. I'm too tired to worship. I can't do this. Exactly. Exactly. But God, change our hearts. It's got to be a heart change. It must be a heart change because that's where it all is. It comes from the heart. So, Lord, let there be a heart change. Let there be a desire, a burning desire within us to seek God's face. And, you know, men have got to rise up. We've lost a generation of young men. Mm-hmm. Well, we've, we've lost several generations. But recently, you know, we're seeing so many young men that have, that just, they've lost their way. And then because they've lost their way, their children have, are going to lose their way. And then their children are going to lose their way. And it's going to be a replication. And so, you know, my prayer is, Father, invade these young men supernaturally. Let them have encounters with you so that they will be forever transformed, forever changed. And let this, this generation that's coming up, let them be so on fire and so everything is God, will be God. Everything about their lives will be God. And we'll take this nation and turn it inside out for the glory yes. of God yes. and their families. Whew! Thank you, so Jesus. many gems in this message today. Oh, praise the Lord. He's a gem sure God, is. isn't he? Praise he is. In, he, indeed. He is a gem God. He, he knows what to do, when to do it, and how to say it, and how to go about it. Of the things that I appreciated you saying, uh, you, you thought that you didn't know that you had to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior That's right. to enter in. 
I did and not know today, that. A lot of people don't even know that. That's and so true. we need to get back to that place where we tell them, hey, you have to accept the Lord. Yes. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior in order for you to have that life in abundance. You know, and while you're saying that, I hear the Spirit of God say this. No matter if you're female or male watching this, doesn't matter. Maybe you don't have a father. He's not been in your life. Or you had a father for a little while and he abandoned you. Or your mother abandoned you and you are broken and you just don't know what to do. He will be everything to you. Amen. Maybe Amen. you're a widow, a widower. You feel lost. You don't know what to do. Without Jesus in your life, you will flounder. You'll never find purpose. You'll never find anything. It, 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 nothing ever, ever, ever could satisfy like Jesus. And I just want to encourage anyone that will be watching this, that Jesus come live in, that they invite him to come live in their heart, be their Lord and be their savior. And that they just repent, say, Father, I blew it. I, I, I've blown it. My life has been a mess. My life was a mess. And another thing too, is they've got to forgive themselves. There are so many that maybe have had abortions and they are, they're, they're tormented by the fact that they knew better. They knew not to do it. I'm just letting the Holy Ghost lead me here. They knew Amen. that they should not do that. And they're tormented that, that they aborted that baby. It may even be a man that encouraged a woman to get an abortion. And he's tormented by that. Jesus can take that torment. Jesus Amen. can forgive that. Jesus can wash that away and change everything and raise you up to be a voice for the unborn, to be a voice for those that, that the world is trying to abort. So let's, you know, it can be turned and changed on your behalf. But many Man. times we have to forgive ourselves, not just ask God to, to, you know, forgive us for being upset with someone else, but to literally forgive us for what we've done. And so I encourage anybody that is watching this, you know, he's right there. He's ever present. He's, he's right here. All you have to do is ask and let him overtake you and yes. take your life. And heal you of all those broken, wounded, rejection, hurting places of trauma. Um, and he will do that because he loves with a love that is incomprehensible. Incomprehensible. We yes. can't even, in, in, in our mind, we cannot understand how he can love us when we've done so many things that have been horrible, in fact. And then there's those who have a lot of pride. And a lot of arrogance, and they think they're all that. I'm just going right. to tell you, you're not all that. Not all that. You, you're you're not all that because God can take that you think you're all that and knock the slats out from under you. Exactly. In that area of pride, you don't want that to happen. You mm -hmm. want you want to yield to the Lord and humble yourself. What does God's word say? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will raise you up. Pride right. comes before a fall. And I always want to make sure that my heart is humbled before the Lord. Because if not, what does he say? The rock will fall on you yes. and crush you. I don't want to be under that rock. I don't. I don't. So may the fear of God come back into the church as well. Come back because when we fear the Lord, because we know that the fear of the Lord, the reverent fear of God, not, not like this over, you know, oh, the fear of the Lord. And, and I can't even move because he's, he, you know, he could just, he could kill me any day. That not, I'm not talking about that kind of fear. I'm talking about fearing the one who created me, but in a righteous way, in yes. a right way to where I honor him. I, and I hear the spirit of God saying that there are some that will be listening to this and that there's a scripture that says, honor your mother and your father, and it will be well with you. All yes. the days of your life, and you Ancient will have a long life. <laughs> there you go, and you will have a long life. You know, don't don't ever dishonor your parents. Yes, I had alcoholic parents, but I will not ever dishonor my parents because God gave me them, and I I learned a lot of things in that dysfunctional home mm. not to do on this side, right? And so um, that's very important. You know, what does God say about? about widows and orphans. He says tr true religion, what is blessing and honoring a widow and orphans. orphans. We've got yes. orphans that are sex trafficked 
all these and, and my mm-hmm. heart is for, oh my God, I, I just, I could weep every time I even speak about that. But that's God's, that's true Christianity is taking care of widows and orphans. And so that's God's heart. It's God's heart. And so I would encourage people that no matter where you tithe, you give your, your, your tithe, find, find some, find some place in Israel to give because God, let's bless Israel. He loves Israel. That's his, that's his sweetheart. You know, find a widow, find an orphanage, find, because those are very important to God, you know, because God wants to bless you when you bless them. So that just came off the cuff right there, off the Holy Ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you, Jesus. So we pray that whoever listens to this, their heart has been moved by God, that they feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and that God just overtakes them and over overwhelms them, heals them physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every way. God comes to them and just speaks to them, gives them revelation, gives them the Mm -hmm. encounter that they need, that they dream about him and that they get a hunger for his word, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness and a hunger and a thirst to be around the right people. Because when we get saved, there's a disconnect many times that has to take place. We have to disconnect from people that would take us down the wrong path, get them saved if we can get them saved. But sometimes if they don't, we've got to disconnect and move on. Right. Thank you so much, Janet, for sharing your testimony with us. So much wisdom to just soak up today. Guys, I hope you're listening and I hope you are blessed by her testimony and by the little nuggets that she dropped in this episode today please do not be religious and you know thinking that you have it all there's always room for improvement and there's always place for us to learn right i have dropped down a few things like usual um from what she said number one is being good isn't enough we have to have that relationship with the king in order to enter into the kingdom right Many of us were taught that just being good week and that we can buy our way in. There's no such thing. We're only saved by grace, but that is only the first step. We have to start bearing the fruits thereof because Christ said, by our fruits, other people shall know us, right? And by their fruits, we shall know them, right? So we have to take it one step further. And if we don't have a true relationship with the king, We won't be bearing those fruits of the spirit. Another one is let God recalibrate your life. You you have to want him. You have to want him to have that fire within you blazing. As Janet suggested, the scripture, you know, fire being shut up in her bones, right? You have to want God. He's not going to force himself. You have to meet him halfway. That's how he is, right? Number two, let God recalibrate your life, right? You have to want him in order for him to release his fire in you so you can burn for him, so you can be used for his glory, right? You have to have the right intentions in order to get to that place where he wants you to be. Number three is that the gifts that he gave us is for his glory. It's not for us to show off with them, but it's to help others, you know, so that they can be edified, so that they can grow in the kingdom of God, right? God doesn't want to be entertained. That's another one. He wants our worship. And there's a part where Janet said that um, the Lord said that he was going to raise her up to be used where he has called men to do it, but they backed away. And so many of us will say, oh, God can never use a woman, but Please read Judges 4 and 5 and the book of Esther in order to see that God can indeed use women to carry out his work. It's about availing yourselves to him, right? Another nugget that she said was, do not focus on your weakness. The word of God said his grace is sufficient for us, right? So if God sends you to a place 
or he gave you an assignment, don't you think that he already knew your weaknesses? Right. So I think he had already made plans for that, right? So do not focus on your weaknesses, but focus on your strength because God already knows your limits. Another thing that Jane had pointed out was that a lot of people have addiction because of past trauma. I am just encouraging anyone who is struggling right now with an addiction to seek the necessary help needed so that you can heal correctly and be a victor in the end, right? And do not be ashamed. Do not cast yourself down. Just seek the necessary help needed so that you can close the doors to addiction and you can also cut off generational curses that may come along with these open doors. The drought in the body. Do not let the drought be in you. Instead, seek for the fountain of life, which is Christ Jesus, right? So you can never be dry, right? He is the fountain that never runs dry. So run after him, seek after him, yearn after him. We she said that we need to get back in that place where the church has deliverance, the power of deliverance, and the Holy Ghost is moving freely. She, she, she said some very powerful things and that there must be a heart of change. We can't keep doing the same things time after time and expect a different result. We have to, to, to step away from the tradition of what they have taught us. Read for yourselves. Read the Bible for yourselves and see the power that God can unleash on us if we walk within his will right? We have to step away from the traditions of men. The Bible spoke about all these things, and that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were so religious. They had that, 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 that religious mindset that even when Christ was doing the, the miracles in front of them, they were focused on him doing miracles on the Sabbath or any other thing that didn't really, that wasn't really necessary, right? Oh, wow. So many things, and I hope you were truly blessed today. I hope you were truly blessed today. And thank you so much again, Janet, for sharing your testimony with us. If you or someone you know would love to share a testimony with us, you may do so by sending us an email at the revived and renewed podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening.